Hey everybody, this is Jonathan Lunsford, and you're listening to episode number one of Beyond the Pew with Rev. John. This one is a testimony. It's done in an interview format, but it's still a great testimony. Uh, this is with a friend that I met when I was working uh, for a few months in Alamogordo, New Mexico. I met him at church. He was an awesome guy, military guy, so we hit it off back and forth. I heard his testimony one night, and I was just blown away. And so part of what this is about is getting people's testimonies out there so they can help people in the future. So uh, this was done at a table in a restaurant, and uh, we, we just sit and had a conversation before we really got fired off. So it takes a few minutes for us to get going. I was really nervous about doing this. I had never done one an interview like this before. So I was really nervous as we got started. So please just bear with it through the beginning. Uh, we get kind of silly, but you know, once it gets into the heart of what we're talking about, you'll get to hear some amazing testimonies. So I hope that you enjoy this as much as I enjoyed talking to him and getting to know him. So without any further ado, David Agnew. And it's got no caffeine in it, which is good because I try to stay off the caffeine after lunch. Considering how much coffee I drink before lunch. Wow. <laughs> so you're, you're, I'm, I'm, back when I used to drink Mountain Dews all the time, I could drink one and go to bed. I had no problem, you know. And, and I, even what was starting this keto thing, I quit drinking Mountain Dews, so I haven't had one in a month. And even a month and a half ago, I drink one and go to bed. But, like, coffee does, I don't know, do, I don't know if there's just a higher concentration of caffeine in coffee. Versus Mountain Dew, it might be might be warmer too because it's warm. But if yeah. I drink a coffee before I go to bed, I cannot go to sleep. Mountain Dew's got more caffeine than anything coffee. It's got to. Uh, I know it's got a lot more sugar in it though. But what well, also depends on the side portion size too. Most <clears throat> cups of coffee are so big, you know, and a Mountain Dew is. <laughs> and it, it could also depend on the uh, how strong the coffee is. My wife does. Uh, dark roast. She likes dark coffee. That just that she likes it bitter. Add the caffeine to add it, add it, add it, add Does that not change it? No. It changes the the potency of it, though, don't it? Yeah. Not changes the flavor. Yeah, I don't like the bitter it's coffee. Like, I don't it's like it's like because um, coffee beans they're picked, right? Um, and then they're shelled in husk. Husk yeah. is more the, and then they're roasted. They run through a roaster. That's true. There's no difference in the yeah. Coffee. And the longer you roast it, the long it's the longer it's cooked, and the longer it's burned. Yeah. And that's where you get the oh, okay. stronger. Have you ever heard of the coffee where they feed the beans to elephants, and the no, elephants? It's, it's, cat, it's cats. They do elephants it's, and monkeys. And, oh really? Yeah, I know. I know for sure it's elephants and monkeys. But anyway, they feed it and then they poop them out, and then they clean it, and then they make coffee. I've heard the one that that the. the, the, the wild jungle cat in Central America eats and then that's the one I've heard of. But do you imagine how bad you have to be Jones of this coffee to figure out that you can clean off coffee beans out of a elephant poop? I mean I don't think I'd forage through anybody's <laughs> and he, or anything's poop for any reason at all. So I told my fourteen year old daughter about it and she looked it up and she about freaked out and she said I can't remember it's it's like Eight hundred dollars. I said some of the most, ex- it's it's some yeah, of the most expensive coffee. I want to try it just because it's supposedly that good. But I, I like. I've never had any of the fancy stuff in life. I've never had caviar. 
I had champagne one time when I was when my friends were getting married, and I didn't like the taste of it. Okay, you don't like you don't like ginger ale, so you probably won't like uh, champagne. They're very similar. Yeah, I don't like champagne. Um, I mean, I've, weird. I've tried a lot of those things just because I've had it. I've had the opportunity, and like, you know, hey, sometimes you go. Well, I mean, like it was at a wedding that I, I had. Say, it. I want to say I. You know, as o- or o- that, I, that I tried it at least once, kind of thing. Oh yeah, like, yeah. So escargot, it's like. Oh, I like escargot. Though. Escargot was, like was delicious and it was fantastic, but I can't get over the fact that I'm eating a snail, so I don't like it. I'm not going to eat it again. It didn't bother me. I'll eat something that tastes just like it that has similar uh, texture. I'll eat sautéed mushrooms. You know, that's about the same. Yeah, about the same flavor and texture, everything. That's true. And I can but eat it's not a, a snail, <laughs> it, but it's not a snail. It didn't crawl on the ground. It just grew there. <laughs> um. <laughs> but then you know, I I always wanted to try stuff. But then there's stuff there's there's American staples that I hate. I can't stand it. I don't like tomatoes. I don't I don't like raw onions. Uh, if they're if they're cooked, if they're all cooked, and like in the pasta, yeah, or like not a fan of raw onions either. Um, like like, a, like oh, on a burger I, I or something like that. Yeah, I love sautéed or like grilled onions. Oh, oh, grilled, oh, yeah, oh. grilled onions. So, yeah, yeah. sautéed onions are fantastic. Onion rings, all that stuff's good. But I can't. I don't like raw onions. But yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, something else you just said right there too. Tomatoes. Yeah. Fried green tomatoes are okay, but not regular tomatoes. Tomatoes. You can go back to whatever communist country you hatched <laughs> from, there, bro. It's full of snot, man. If you cut it open and squeeze it, it's like snot's falling out of it. That's why I don't like it. When I was a kid, my dad made me eat one. Just because he was like, you're going to like them. So it was a big old giant tomato. And it was just sitting there eating that thing. And I just like, man, if I ever get a chance, I'm never eating one. I'm never eating one. I'll eat one like an apple with a little bit of old bay. Yeah, my my mom loves to take them and, and slice them and put take a, some butter on the, in a biscuit and make them a tomato biscuit and she'll eat them things like crazy never heard of that oh, that's a su- yeah that's a southern thing tomato biscuits but... well we're recording already so so what so I wanted to our random conversation yeah about, that's part of it you know this, this is my first will, one won't eat. this is my first one and, and like I was telling you the, for me it's all down here all down here man <laughs> starting off with the best <laughs> So uh, that's that's great. Uh, so the idea of what I wanted to do was a podcast that is a testimony-based podcast or is just a fun conversation. But it's, I try. I want to be cross-centered because I want it to be uh, relatable to other people. So uh, one of the things that I want to do is I want to get like different denominations, elders and different denominations together and and. Instead of trying to find out what they believe from other people who don't really know, let's find that from the horse's mouth kind of thing. Okay. Um, and so, but then I heard your testimony uh, the first night I went to your church, and I thought, right. and I was like, whoa. And then we talked after work, after church, and I was like, okay, this is, I was like, I mean, I, the first night I said, I want to do a podcast with you. Like, yeah. And I've never done one. I just, your story and the way that you handled it was. My was, little mini Supposedly yeah. supposed to be a five-minute version of my testimony that lasted close to fifteen. Uh, yeah, but that's, that's. But I could actually talk for a couple hours. Yeah, I'm sure you out. can. So, uh, but we are in Denny's. Uh, so, in case you guys are listening and you wonder what all the noise is about, I don't know if you can hear the music, but it's like a '60s, '50s doo-wop. 50s, kind yeah, of. it's like 
I've been working my way back to you, babe. And still my parents love coming here because of the music. They'll sit and my mom will sing the whole time. I'm like, didn't I used to get in trouble for that when I was growing up? <laughs> Singing at the table. You can't yeah. do that. You can't sing the table. <laughs> I used to get beaten for it. Okay, well, I'm beaten. I, I love that some of those rules growing up aren't just southern things. Oh, yeah. That they, 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 you know, you're from you're from here, right? Alamogordo. Uh, Alamogordo, New Mexico. Uh, it's an awesome town. I love it. I actually like it here a lot. I just, I want to go home. <laughs> so, I don't, blame um, you. I don't blame you at all. So the, uh, it, it's just neat to me that some of those traditions are, because you think, you know, because there's so many traditions that are Southern, and then you go to, uh, away from the South and nobody knows what you're talking about. So then there's yeah. a bunch of them that everybody knows. It's, well, there's, you figure you, you think about the South, you think about, you know, the, the traditional Southern states. Yeah. And it usually kind of swings west as far as East Texas, you know. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And when, you, when you're in Texas and you're driving west and it stops being ridiculously green and starts to turn into starts <laughs> to turn into scrub you just, know, west, scrub just and, west of Austin <laughs> yeah and it starts to turn into the, the hill country where you got a lot of mesquite and scrub oak and things like that instead of you know yeah green all the all that more abundant green well it stays like that until you get to the mountains in uh, Arizona in, or, oh, in California and then the other side of the mountains in California yeah that's yeah, where yeah. it drops off yeah. and you have you know what you know the beaches and all that stuff. The rest is all this high desert, and it's all mesquite trees and scrub oak and cottonwoods and rattlesnakes. You get up to you, you know, you go high enough in elevation, you can have the pine trees and stuff. But down here, it's yeah. But the the but that's kind of like the old west, you know, where the old west happened, kind of thing, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I loved it. I got to go to Tombstone while I'm here. Fun, and fun town, huh? Oh, and it was walking into it. See, I've been to Deadwood, you know, uh, Deadwood in South Dakota. That was really interesting because the show was just was really famous at the time. And so they're doing the gunfights and stuff like that, Calamity Jane and Wild Bill Hickok, all these characters walking around. But and, and it was a real place, and real stuff happened, and more probably happened there than in Tombstone, but. That movie. Well, I watched it when I was a kid. Uh, the Legend the, of Wyatt Earp. Uh, OK Corral. There was a movie called uh, The Fight of OK Corral. I watched it with my grandparents when I was a kid. And then the movie Tombstone came out. And yeah. then I realized after being here that uh, uh, that I was only four hours away from it. I'm like, oh, I got to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you like uh, the A1 steak sauce, Worcestershire sauce, or 57? A little bit of A1. A little bit of A1. If you got to put A1 on a steak... It ain't no good. I like the flavor of A1. And we'll typically put it on a steak, whether I need it or not, because I like the flavor of A1. Yeah, well, that's fine. In the but, Navy, in the Navy, if the steaks were good, you didn't see nobody grab A1. If you see yeah. everybody reaching over for A1, like, the steaks are bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, But, no, yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't, wouldn't know how many movies have been made about the tombstone oh man it was just being there was so surreal too yeah it was was pretty cool you know you figure all the you think because you start thinking about all the history especially you you see boot hill yeah you know and And the and and well and and then i was sitting in the restaurant eating (laughs) breakfast and i was reading about virgil or who's the one that was played by uh sam elliott sam elliott okay so in the movie tombstone you see him walk across and he gets shot 
and I realized that I'm in the building eating breakfast in the building where those guys were hiding when they shot him. My mind, I was like, I was like, uh, like it was insane. And a lot of those buildings, and it seems stupid. Although the decoration and stuff inside them has changed, the building still itself the same is the same. Building. Yeah, because they had a bunch of fires before. Going to Big Nose Kate's. Yeah, I, I hung out in there for a little bit, even though it was a bar. I hung out in there for a little while and and just kind of just took in the 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 you know the yeah. atmosphere of being there. It was really neat and interesting. Yeah. But that's cool. But then, that, it's that whole old west thing that. That you do not get any of that down south at all. Yeah, you but it's, it you figure that the, it's the same kind of people that moved out and did the, the western expansion in, into the old west, you know. Yeah. The same kind of mindset that, that lived throughout the south, so a lot of the traditions, a lot True. of the feelings and way of life and... It's all kind of. I did. I did same. read in high school, though. I, I remember reading this, that um, like if you were southern, like you go back to the seventeen, or late seventeen hundreds, early eighteen hundreds. You know, like let's say you're from South Carolina, right? And when they when they migrated west, they didn't go northwest. They just went due west. Mm-hmm. And so, like if you're in Virginia, you would go due west. And it wasn't like you would say you're from Virginia and let's go west, and you wind up in Texas. You you wind up in Kansas and Oklahoma and stuff like that. You you, you go straight. So I, I guess that's where you're coming yeah. from there. Like we they brought their southern traditions here and a lot of it. But so Alamo Gordo is in Spanish. That's Alamo. What does Alamo mean? I don't. It's, it's like it's, a stable or no? It's fat cottonwood. Fat cottonwood. Yeah, yeah I know Gordo's fat. So yeah, fat cottonwood. And I haven't seen any I mean, fat cottonwoods here at all. I don't know. There's you know <laughs> there's cottonwoods by the you know dozens here now but they used to, they used to be here by the thousands back in yeah. the day you know the the park that's straight down the road straight north of us here used to be full of them and now that's I mean there's still a lot of them there but it, I mean it's I mean, so that's what those big trees are just cottonwood trees yeah okay yeah you, you go down like to Alameda Park like which past the zoo all yeah. those really big trees those are cottonwoods I used to cook uh, I was always cooking my supper in that park because they had all the mm-hmm. and they don't have I can't cook in the hotel so I've been <laughs> I got a little grill and stuff I cook and that's how I eat most of the time but but <clears throat> so I met you at church and like it man I'm bored <laughs> uh, <laughs> in the Navy when that happened everybody was shout. that's the only time you're allowed to talk in boot camp in the cafeteria was when somebody dropped something and everybody would scream, Man overboard. The army, it's get down with it. <laughs> it was, drop something, get on down with it. Start oh, push, yeah, yeah. They start pushing the floor. <laughs> so, um, so you you were in the army. You're from Alamogordo. You joined the army. You did 20 years mm-hmm. or so. You're retired as a, what's the E7? Sergeant First Class. Sergeant First Class. I don't know. I, uh, I should. I live next to Fort Polk. I should know what they all are. But, um, and then you were, you came back home first, and then all of your stuff happened, or was it? No, this all happened. Um, I went to my very final posting in Texas. Which ended up being my final posting, um, and uh, I talked into retiring, 
before I really wanted to by, uh, by my ex-wife and was given divorce paperwork, you know, six months later for my trouble. Yeah. Or, or I'd still be in. I loved it. I loved the Army. But um, it was during that period of time that kind of all the attacks from everywhere all happened at the same time, you know. Uh, I, going through a divorce, drinking a lot, yeah. um, which then brought me trouble at work, you know, all that. Uh, ended up losing my job um, for a combination of reasons. They were looking at that point in my job, they were looking for any excuse at all to let people go because we were contractors and the contract was getting smaller and then bigger and then smaller and it was it was one of those periods when it was getting smaller uh, and it was at that point I got accused of some stuff that uh, some pretty serious stuff that I didn't do Yeah. and to be honest I didn't take it seriously because I didn't do it I just kind of you know whatever okay blew kind of almost blew it off went in and talked to the investigator and you know looking back now I should have taken it more seriously because I was in there joking around with the guy yeah and fooling around well that's your personality though you're yeah. a, you're a jokester I'm, but I'm in there fooling around and making jokes instead of taking it seriously and uh, and then February of 2014 uh, and this is all happening just prior to that uh, like 2012 2013, 2010 is when my ex and I split up, um, and I had retired in the summer of 2009. In fact, next month in June will be 10 years that I retired, I would have, or I would have been in for 30. Yeah. But um, so 2014, I moved back here, and that was February, May, 2014. It's when the sheriff's department came calling and, and took me away. And where were you living in heaven? Um, here in Alamogordo. Yeah, it's like Tabasco. That's Tabasco. It smells good. <laughs> I'm actually using it as cologne. Smell oh, okay. that's where it's coming from. It wasn't me that just dropped the whole entire bottle. Brand new bottle. <laughs> Get y'all some refills. Yeah. That's I'm actually so pretty sorry. good. It was a good suggestion. Oh, thank you. Um, and where were you living in time? Here. Okay, you're here. Okay. Here, yeah. Um... But at the time of your divorce, you were living... In Texas. In Texas. Yeah. So, um, according to the courts, because I moved to a different state while I knew the, the investigation was going on, supposedly that made me a flight risk. Yeah. So the bond was like $100,000. It was like, come on. Uh, but I went into the county jail here to wait for transport to back to Texas. Uh, here in New Mexico, you were? From here, from here in New Mexico, yeah. all the way to Texas. And a drive that I can make from here in Alamogordo back to Texas, to, to you know, to where I was from in Texas, uh, that I can make in five and a half hours took, you know, 10 days. <laughs> That's um, crazy. Because it, wasn't just Alamogordo and then straight on the road there. It was Alamogordo and then up to Rodoso and then across to Roswell and then up to Clovis, then into Texas, um, and then through the upper Texas panhandle, then into Oklahoma, and then up into you know, up into Kansas. 
and then you know back down into Texas, and then, um, uh, and then long story short, we we end up in Owensboro, Kentucky, <laughs> which is a long on the border with Ohio. I, yeah. If I remember correctly, from what or if I'm, I don't even know if that's right, I, I would need to look at a map or something to be honest. Um, but yeah, and you're talking, you know, you, you get you get booked. You get booked in and fingerprinted here, and then every place you go in this prison in this prison van, which by the way, it's it's like a conversion van. With yeah, it's like, not even a fifteen like, passenger van. It's not yeah. even like a yeah. yeah, with like you know twelve guys in the back who are sitting in what feel like booster seats, you know, and your legs are ch- shackled together, and you got a chain around your waist and your handcuffs are fed through the chain that's around your waist so you can't even bring food up to your mouth you have to lean your face way down towards your belly and kind of meet your hands halfway um you know and they're what they're feeding us they're feeding us on five dollars a meal which at every single stop consisted of um, two bottles of water and as much uh, off the dollar menu at McDonald's or Burger King that they could get to stuff you with you know, um, and these vans go insanely fast because yeah. the the police aren't going to stop them because it's full of prisoners. Yeah. So the police aren't going to stop them. You know, the the police see that there's this van speeding and they pull up behind it to pull it over and they read the uh, uh, license plate and it comes back that it's prison transport and they just let it go. Yeah. So you you're know, going ninety miles an hour down highway. It, and but not major highways. The back roads, the most crooked back roads and way that you could possibly think of to get somewhere. Because they don't want to leave it to any kind of predictable... Yeah, that's true. You know. Well, I think going to Kentucky would have kept people from planning an escape. <laughs> that's kind of... I don't, I don't know. But I, Did y'all drop people off and pick people up throughout the, the process? Yeah, the whole process. Every You know, about every three hours you're pulling into a town and you're dropping somebody off. Or and or picking somebody up, um, and everybody stinks because they nobody's, no, nobody's nobody's bathed, nobody's yeah, um, you know finally get finally get to Kentucky and you, and you get rebooked, refingerprinted, refotoed, you know new mug shots, the works. You get you go in they they feed you dinner, which was uh, a piece of that night. It was a piece of toast, a piece of thick bologna. If I remember, if I'm remembering correctly, dinner that night was. Um, a piece of to- uh, toast, a piece of thick bologna, a medium-sized spoon of, like, pork and beans or something, and, like, an eight-ounce glass of water with some food coloring in it that you're supposed to think is juice. Oh, yeah. Um, I think, I mean, that's what I remember. It might not have been that, but that's what's kind of sticking out of my mind. Yeah. You know, we all kind of shuffle through the showers as best we can. You know, you don't have deodorant. You've yeah. got one of those those little bars of soap that you see on the uh, on uh, like in hotels. It's about yeah. the, it's about the size of a domino or something. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know you're trying and to they wash. They smell really bad. And yeah. they, you can't wash the you know, scum just, off your. Yeah, arm. It just says soap. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it doesn't lather up for anything. Yeah, just yeah. you know, and you're rubbing that all over every everything you can try to get the yeah, but stayed there a couple of days, uh, about a day and a half. I think we. Uh, got there late one night, spent the night, 
got ready to go to bed the following night and it was like in the middle of the night like oh stupid 30 in the morning let's go when they called my name to get on a, another transport and head, start heading towards Texas and that that was back through Kentucky Tennessee straight down into uh, Alabama wow it was straight down and then and then we uh, hung a right From Mississippi and Louisiana and, and we followed the road that goes along the Gulf not to I-10 y'all went all the way down the- all the way down I mean we were a pitching wedge from the ocean or from the Gulf you know we're, I'm, we're, those of us who were sitting on the left hand side of the bus like I well, was, how was we were looking out the window at the Gulf of Mexico and it was beautiful it was yeah. beautiful um, I'd never known that the because Really, the only pictures I've ever seen in the Gulf are like during, you know, post Katrina when you see yeah, all, everything all washed up and, yeah. all over thing, and the, and the yeah, and then the the um, the farther the west BP you go, oil spill and stuff. The farther west you go, the nastier the water is. Over in Florida and Alabama, it's pre- it's prettier, but yeah, well, this west was all from well, from our perspective, it was all blue and pretty, you know. Yeah. But drove along there, you know, and again, stopping, picking people up, dropping people off, and all that. It's crazy. Get all the way down to the very southernmost little itty bitty tip in Texas you know all along that go all the way till you got all the way down there drop somebody off pick somebody up and then eventually worked our way back around to the town in West Texas in San Angelo where I was um like you said it took you 10 days to do what ish. five hours yeah in car, yeah. um riding in a 15 passenger van yeah and then get booked in there and I'm told, yeah, I'll get bailed out right away. So at first they didn't even give me, you know, those orange. They look just like scrubs, but they're orange. First they didn't even give those to me because I was going to get bailed out right away. When I come to find out, you know, bail is 10 grand and, you know, my parents don't have that kind of cheddar just laying around. Yeah. So uh, I should say my family doesn't. So it was going to take a while. So they booked me in and... Long story short, it took about another 10 days to two, to two weeks before all the funds were together and they were able to bail me out, which brings me back around to, you know, the whole point of the testimony and the point of that night uh, that I chose to use as that part of my testimony was, you know, I, even though I hadn't done it, I was going to fight the case the whole time, no matter what, you know, it's like maintain my freedom yeah I had to accept from a very early point um when I was still here in New Mexico it's like okay you know Lord whatever this means it's not my plan yeah it's your plan and if, if this is the road so be it I'll you know I'll, ex- I'll, 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 I'll <laughs> accept where you put me yeah um and it was at that moment that I went from, you know, being angry and sad, um, and not so not so much afraid. Because uh, I'm not really afraid of anything, you know. I mean, I've I've seen all, all the things that, uh, that that this world can throw at you at a grown man you know pretty much through 20 years in the military and being here and there and so I'm not really afraid of anything so it wasn't a fear but it was more it wasn't a fear of anything it was more apprehension and questions about what I didn't yeah. know yeah the uncertainty you know? yeah yeah 
Fear um, of the unknown is what I was used to call it. So I mean, so I went from all of that to being completely completely okay with everything that was happening. So how long after you were obviously when you were arrested, you're having to ask questions, what's going on, stuff mm-hmm. like this. Yeah. And but. Well, I knew. Well, I, I mean, yeah, I knew what it was right. for and all that. You know, my, I mean, like my dad was really, really angry at the time, and I had to go over and tell him. You know, I, you know, I had to look at the deputy and go, "Give me a second. You know, yeah. I'm going willingly, but give me a second with this guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, talk to my dad. Says, "Look, we knew this could happen. Let me just go take care of what, what I have to take yeah. care of, and I'll be back." So, from the moment you're the deputy knocks on the door, how long does it take you to get to the point where you're like, you know what, God, you got me on this for whatever reason. I'm here. I'm here. It was, was they knocked on my door around 9, 9.30 in the morning, and it was lights out that night in the jail. Was when you start, when When, you got kind of calmed down and realized that God's got something going on. And that's when I, that's when I, you know, I hit my knees. I mean, literally hit my knees right there in my cell, right next to my bunk. Okay, Lord. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, Can you hear me? (laughs) Obviously, I don't like this. (laughs) But, you know, if this is, uh, I, I I accept it, you know. I mean, Christ didn't want to get crucified. No, no. I figured, you know, yeah, it's, he, he, he prayed. He prayed that he could be delivered if from it. He could it. be passed, but if not, you know. You so know, how long? And that's, how and long? that's kind of the mindset I took. I said, you know, you, 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 you accepted what you had to go through. I will accept what I have to go through. Come on. But I'm gonna pray that I be delivered from it <laughs> as quick as possible. So yeah. how long? Okay, so how long had you been in church at this point? How, where was your, where was your relationship with Jesus at this point? Here comes the food. Um, well, I was. That's, uh, steak. that's him. That's me. I'm jealous. You you work here. I'm sure you're not jealous. It looks better when I'm serving it to other people. <laughs> <laughs> it looks nice. Good looking steak. Um, you don't pray for the food. Go ahead. Go ahead. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the day. Thank you for all these blessings that you allowed us to have. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to get together in the fellowship. Thank you for this food. And that be with us as we continue and help us to, to reach out to those who are in need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And I would add, I hope this message changes somebody's life yeah. for the better. Never know. Um, but yeah, that's uh, I, I'd, been, I'd been saved when I was younger. Um Not quite, like maybe I don't know, fifth grade, sixth grade. What I used to refer to as saved, not serious. Yeah, because yeah. um, it was it was more of a you know, mom and dad are going to these revivals and I have to go along and. One day the Lord got and, hold of you. And one day you know I. One day I I, I went up to the altar, <laughs> you know. Yeah. One day it was me at the altar call. I remember because they had said that the night before at this particular. Uh, uh, the, the night before somebody had seen an angel sitting in the spot that I happened to be sitting in. I was like, wow, well, okay. Maybe that's part of it. But, um, so that helped, though, in your process. Yeah. Because if you wouldn't have known who Jesus was at all, and that door, and that knock comes on the door... Oh, yeah, I'd have been angry. I'd have been fighting, you know. You know, but I mean, even outside of that, though, I grew up Catholic, so I mean, I always knew Christ was. But then you know, yeah. there's a difference between knowing who He is and knowing who He is. Yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, that's one of the podcasts I want to do. I got I got a guy in mind. He's going to talk about Catholicism for me. So, um, I'm about to eat pancakes for the first time in a long time. Um, so yeah, that night, you know, hit my knees and and I went from all those weird, not the apprehension, the confusion, all that to I don't know, almost being happy to be there. You know, almost, almost. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, because you don't know, you know. It's uh, so. I mean, the when you were telling the story, I, I, I was, I remember thinking, I think it was in the parking lot when you were telling it to me in more detail. I remember thinking of Joseph, you know, and then you got Paul, and all that Paul did while he was in jail. I, I looked it up today. Paul wrote thirteen epistles, and seven of them were while he was in prison. So over half of them mm-hmm. were when he was in jail, and. And when you read his story of Philemon, or as that one Cajun preacher said, Philemon, which is the only Cajun person in the Bible, um, <laughs> if you read this, read that, I mean, it's like, what, 20 verses or less? You read it, and you can just hear the joy. And Paul's shackled up, and you can hear the joy in him. And that's something you, when you were talking about your story, about how you met a guy you went to school with, yeah. And and you got to witness to him and talk to him, and you're like, okay, God, why am I here? Why am I going through this? But then the the missionary or the evangelist in you or whatever the uh, and then the in walks this guy that I recognize that I played high school football with. Yeah, yeah, yeah that you hadn't seen in, you said in a long time, right? Thirty years. Yeah, and all of a sudden you're being able to talk to this guy about our relationship with Jesus, and and that man, that's just outstanding. <laughs> that's just one of the coolest things ever. And it's very Joseph, you know, in the book of Genesis, very, you know, like, here he is in jail. Why am I in jail? But, you know, he's done these great things. The Lord's going to put you where he wants you um, for the least of us, you know. I'm going to be like Sugar Rush later. <laughs> I saw how much uh, uh, yeah. syrup you put on there. I put too much. <laughs> But yeah, I went from ministering, talking with him, praying with him, to the prison transport showing up to take me to, back to Texas. So you met him in Kentucky? No, here. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and then came on the really prison weird. transport to go to Texas. And I don't know, I can't remember at what point this guy got on, but at one point, the guy gets on the transport while we're still, you know, between New Mexico and Kentucky, and it's somebody who needs to be ministered to, and just somebody, somebody to talk to about about Christ, somebody to talk well, to about you know, this is just, this isn't just my plan. This me. is this isn't my plan. This is his plan. I'm yeah. just along for the ride. Yeah. You know, quite quite <laughs> realistically, <laughs> I'm along yeah. for this ride. Uh, but if you're a bitter person. All these opportunities go away because yeah. you're not. They're not going to listen to you because you're the you're a guy talking about Jesus, but you're also bitter. I'm surrounded by bitter people at this point, you know. I'm surrounded by. People oh yeah, who, imagine. Who, who it's not. To, it's not their fault that they got caught. You know, <laughs> um, I used to drive a prison bus trying to trying to sell the crack they had in their pocket to uh, undercover cop. It's the cops' fault. <laughs> it's entrapment. I used to drive a prison bus. I did that for five months. It was one of the worst jobs I've ever had. 
And I noticed that every one of them was That's like, where I recognize you from. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> Look on your no, face. It was, it was, it was awesome. <laughs> no, it was a work release prison. Um, you know, it's interesting you say that cause at one point between here and Kentucky, we're at a place. We're at a we're at a place where we're stopped, and we're standing around. It was just afterwards. I'm trying to remember who the. No, this is after we've left Kentucky and our on our way to Texas. Um, one of the uh, guards on the bus, the transport, was like, "What are you doing here? You don't fit in. <laughs> You're not one of the you know like one of these things is not like the other." <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Why? Well, got accused of something I didn't do, and I've got to go." I still have to go through the process, you know. Yeah, through process. Yeah. Um, I mean, because he could tell I was a Christian. He could tell I was strong in faith. He could tell, um, you know, even in the situation we were in, you know, he, he knew about my military background, you know, and all that. And here I am going through all that, and I'm the happy one. Yeah, <laughs> probably the happiest probably, one. On you're the whole probably bus. happier than him. Yeah. <laughs> But on the transport leaving Kentucky back down to the south, I end up sitting next to a guy who needs ministering to and talking to. So we did. We prayed and we talked and we prayed and we talked and we prayed. And, and then somewhere else, somewhere else in, in South Texas, he gets off the bus. We finally get to. Uh, where I'm headed, and the guy I get bunked in with is a Christian who had, who was also a, a veteran. He was a, a former Marine Mm-mm. in Vietnam. Once a Marine, always a Marine. And someone told him that along those same lines. You're not an ex-Marine, you're a former Marine. Well, I've always heard him say once a Marine, always a Marine, so. Once a jarhead, always a jarhead. <laughs> Crayon eaters. Um, that was my out loud voice. Um, <laughs> little veteran humor to any, oh, yeah. to any Marine listening oh, to this yeah. in the future. Uh, Semper Fi, brother. <laughs> See, I don't even say don't, that word. I don't. I don't hate you. <laughs> um, but this guy ended up. He 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 was. He had gotten paroled. He'd gone to jail originally for for murder, which he absolutely admits that he did at a very dark, very bad point in his life. He got paroled, and uh, now he's being hauled back in on parole violation because. Either he did or didn't rough up his wife, who did or didn't come home in a, you know, meth-fueled, you know, crazy, you know, crazy, whatever it was, but, um, 
praying with him and talking to him and, uh, and then there's another guy there who's going through some stuff and I don't know if he was had already been saved yet or not but by the time I left with a bunch of us praying with him and stuff he, he was he was by the time I left and I'm like, I can't take personal responsibility for that because it was more than just me that he was talking to hey, and there were several of us in, in, in this right. group but um, I, Lord, I, I, I believe I believe part, he was your part may have been very influential in that so um, so yeah um, I went through that there in San Angelo and you know bail finally came and I got out and that was in early July just in time for the 4th of July of uh, 2014 and for the next 18 months until December of 2015 I uh I went back to San Angelo every month or every other month for court hearings. Um, just go meet with the lawyer for a few minutes, go into court, stand there while my lawyer says, hey, we need another continuance for this or file a motion for this discovery or that discovery or going down to go over evidence with my lawyer and all that kind of stuff. And On the 23rd of uh, December, 2015, I got... I got um, a Christmas present in the form of charges dropped, case dismissed. Mm-hmm. You know, praise God. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was coming coming back that summer of 2014 that I really started going back to church and getting back to church because I had you know drifted away. <clears throat> so you so at the point you're arrested. And held here in New Mexico before you before you leave New Mexico, your relationship with God existed. It just wasn't as strong as obviously it is now. Yeah, it wasn't a priority that it is now. So that was, and then so while it was a marriage of convenience. Yeah. So while you're in that mode of like you said, it's not as priority. You're still finding yourself witnessing and reaching people. Right. So God is kind of forcing you into this mode of, of witnessing and stuff so <clears throat> I was ready to share the happiness I mean it, it I mean obviously it was on you or for you to, not to be as to not be bitter you know yeah it was on me very very heavily um that's my favorite part of the story honestly the, is that the, bitter, is the, the bitterness took a little while and to be honest occasionally I still struggle with it I mean oh yeah there was a you know a five year part of my life there um, <laughs> that couldn't find a job because so, of it because of all this yeah wow um, See, that's what's crazy is even allegations that Trump's due process anymore people yeah. will just drop you in a... and then the, and then the court of public opinion you know yeah like you do. told me that one time that even in that whatever in that town, you're still looked at as guilty no matter no matter what the court says. That's just the way, and 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 that's the way it is because you're you're going to, and it's unfortunate. I think it's really unfortunate for people to be to hinge their guilt or innocent verdict based on their relationship with them. So like, 
if your child is arrested or something, you're immediately going to think, oh, no, they're innocent, you know, or, you know, mm-hmm. or, or if somebody does something, if some, something happens to your child, you're going to immediately thank the guy that they think did it, did it, he's guilty, you know, like, so there's no, we, we do that, and, and it's unfortunate, but I think that's just our human nature, Yeah, is to try to have an answer, we want an answer for it, so we make up an answer, and then when it comes out that it's not true, and I won't talk about no Russian collusion right now. But when it comes out and it's not true, <laughs> they're going to start attacking the. Uh, they're going to attack the process, you know. And, and yeah, how many? So, yeah, how many people have been accused of things, and oh man, their and on. their trial was very public, and even though they were proven innocent, you know, by a jury of their peers, by a court, or even if you know, or even if there wasn't enough evidence presented. Um, to try them, you know, according to the public, they're guilty. Do you remember? Do you remember back in the early two thousand when the Kobe Bryant, the basketball player, mm-hmm. was okay? So he was from Los Angeles Lakers, and they were in Denver, where the Nuggets were playing. So they were playing them in Denver, and he met up with a girl, and they wound up having an affair because he was married. And then later she accused him of rape. Mm-hmm. And he had, if you remember, he had to go to, to when he wasn't playing, he had to fly to Denver to deal with court constantly. Mm-hmm. He maintained his innocence the entire time. He had to admit that he cheated on his wife. There was a big deal about that. And, but they would not release her name, which I understand that. But then when it all came out, because one of her friends said in court that she made it up. And she had proof of that. And so now all of a sudden they're like, okay, well, he's innocent now. They dismissed the case. But they there's no ramifications on her part, you know. So then now uh, there's all this, all the hubbub, you know. It's just crazy. But nobody ever knows what she did wrong. Like whatever, happened, whatever happened to the, the, that woman that accused the Duke lacrosse team of all that I have no idea but they've been talking about trying to make that a law where, you, where if you are accusing somebody of something I think they should you know I think if you're in your right mind and you're just using this to, as a ploy to hurt somebody that you should now maybe not maybe not the full punishment that that person would have received for that but there needs to be some sort of like thing in the, that they're going wait I could say that this happened but if I do and they find out it didn't then I gotta go to jail but I now there's with, none of that. You know. I struggle with that's you know. I, I, I've forgiven the person that accused me. Um, I want nothing but the best for them. Yeah. But there are times when I I, I can I can get bitter. I can look at what could have happened, or, or where my life would be if none of it had happened, and. Mm-hmm. And I get a little, and I can get a little better, but you know, then you gotta, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. That's not how I'm supposed to be. That's not yeah. how you want us to be. Um, yeah, I say a prayer and, you know, say a prayer for them. Yeah. And, I mean, because forgiving somebody isn't about making them feel better, it's about making our own heart right. Absolutely. So, Unforgiveness is a poison that you drink, hoping that they that they're they that they, they, ah, yes. It's a, <laughs> it's a poison that you drink, hoping that they die. 
This is what unforgiveness is, and exactly right. So, in if you read in Genesis chapter fifty, verse twenty, uh, there's a famous minister named David Jeremiah who uh, pastors a big church in California, San Diego, I think. Um, I was watching him one night, and he and he was preaching on the fifty twenty rule. And the fifty twenty rule, Genesis fifty twenty, is Joseph looks at his brothers and says that what you guys meant for evil, God used for good. And uh, and so then he turned that to say, devil, what you meant for evil, God's used for good. And and that was so powerful because then when you couple that with Romans eight twenty eight that God uses all things, causes all things. Mm-hmm. to happen for the greater good of those who love the Lord and who are called according to His purpose. Not that God says, okay, I want you to go to jail, or I want you to suffer, but He's like, I'm going to let you suffer, and through that, I want to make something good out of it. You know? And and so for me, what yeah, I want to... That doesn't put us to those things. He allows them to, allows them to happen to us. I just wanted to clarify that. that yeah. I don't believe that God puts sickness on us, and I don't believe that God puts pain and misery on us. I believe that God, just like he did with Job, God allows that to happen. Yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, considerations of Job. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's very... <laughs> what yeah. I went through. Yeah. Oh, it's not just Job. It's like I said, Job, Joseph, you got... Uh, I mean, Joseph sold by his brothers into slavery and he never got to see his family again. As far as he knows, that was it. It was gone. Mm-hmm. And, and I haven't seen my family in five, six weeks. I couldn't imagine knowing that I'd never see him again, you know, so because somebody did something bad to me, you know. Um, but I'm going home this weekend, so. Um, like getting on a bus and driving away, watching your family standing there. And, you know, the bus is going to stop on an airfield, and you're going to get on, a, on an airplane. And, and the airplane's going to land in a place where people are shooting at Americans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there's That's four people, I, there's four the people I may never see again. Yeah. You know, very, very difficult to do. That's why I joined the Navy. <laughs> well, that wasn't a reason, but it was destiny for me to join the Navy. Because that's where I met my wife, so. But. You just wanted to be a shellback. <laughs> I didn't know what a shellback was when I joined. No <laughs> joke. I didn't know that until later. But uh, I had a great uncle that was in the Navy. Uh, World War Two. Uh, and then he had, and he, every time he'd come home from leave, they'd have to send the the police to come get him. Because he didn't want to go back. He wanted to go. <laughs> but he had a white hat. He had the Dixie Cup hat, and, and somehow I got a hold of it, and man, I just, I got to join the Navy. I got to give you one of these. So I got my own now, so. I got that. I was going to split it. Like, no, I, was, I got it. Thank you. I appreciate it. But, so, everything that happened is a testimony. You have it, you, you can say it now. You can say what, what you went through. You can tell it in 15 minutes, 5 minutes. Uh, I don't know if you know 5 minutes. I know you. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> it's not going to happen in 5 minutes. Uh, but you could, like, you could draw it out. But the, the, so the main, the main thing that I wanted to get out of it, and, and hearing your, it is, to me, it's an amazing testimony. Is that there's people who are in bondage, whether it's physical chains. Uh, they're in physical chains, are probably not be listening to this, but <clears throat> there's people who are in bondage, whether it's through addictions to drugs, whether it's just a bad 
mm -hmm. relationship that they're in, uh, whether it's just a bad work environment they're in. Um, and, and they can see that, I mean, even what Pastor preached the other day. What's your pastor name again, Tim? Tim. Tim what? Um, Tim Brock. Tim Brock mm -hmm. at a Christian or at Christ, Christ Community, Community Church. Church. Uh, they have a podcast, and I would suggest you guys find it and listen to it. Um, it he was just a great, he's a great, well, he was talking about just having that that joy. You know, you got to have that, the, the, the joy of God. I love it. It's a gift. It's a fruit that grows in you when the spirit moves in you mm -hmm. and it's a seed that's planted in and one one of the things that's cool about fruits is that when the fruit bears and it starts to you know produce fruits that those fruits have seeds in them so it continues to spread as it goes mm -hmm. as somebody in the that's in a prison van who let, let's just go to the guard somebody who's in a prison van who is stuck with a bunch of prisoners who probably doesn't really wishes that he'd have gone to college or joined the military or something <laughs> get it and he's stuck in this van or he did and it didn't matter yeah, <laughs> that too uh but here he is listening to an a prisoner with joy and and then you never know you even said he he asked you about it was talking about it you never know the impact that you have, and that's why it's so important for us to to maintain every conversation and have every relationship that we have has to be cross-centered and 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 it has to be done in a way that's not because uh, you never know who's listening in. Yeah, absolutely. You never know who you know. I mean, there could be somebody. Yeah. There's nobody here now, but there could be somebody at an adjacent table. The NSA may be listening, and when they're listening, listening to Big Brother, <laughs> you know, I mean, and anything. Any, anything we say or do as Christians is under the magnifying glass. Oh, yeah. Because if we fall short of what society's expectations are of us, then, you know, everybody points at us like we're... They know what we're supposed to be doing. Right. Even though they don't do it. Right. Um, so And they'll point it out. It's like, oh, look, that's a hypocrite. He says he has to, that we have to, we all have to behave a certain way, but look how he's behaving. But they don't take the time to talk to us and go, where, where we will go, yeah, I messed up. And, you know, uh, the beauty of it is I can mess up. And it's because of my faith yeah. that it's okay that I messed up because I'm trying not to. Versus yeah. somebody who does those things and doesn't care. Yeah, don't care. Yeah, yeah. conscious here with honor, and, uh, and they, and that's why it's uh, that's why it was so cool when he was telling that story. I was like, oh man, and even the other guy that was telling that uh, his testimony that night, man, he was talking about the drugs and like I don't remember his name, but he was like just all the drugs he was talking about. He came out of, mm -hmm. and he would come out of it, and he'd go back into it, and he come out of it, and come back into it. He said, and I remember he was talking about how it finally. It just clicked that the relationship that he can have with God was was greater than any high that he can get from any drug he was taking. And I've never done drugs. I, 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 I thank God I, I was able to stay away from that. But I don't. I'm not upset with people who have. But I have a friend. Everybody has a different path. Everybody has a different path. I have a buddy of mine who's a, a little bit older than me. He's a minister in, in Georgia. And I'm going to get him on here. And I'm not really sure what his drug of choice was. I don't know. Uh, but now he's in he's in relationship with God in such a way that his ministry is focused on helping people come out of drugs. And 
instead of being caught up in bitterness over what he went through, and he's able to turn that into what God, what the devil meant to kill him and destroy mm-hmm. him, and look what God's using the good that's coming yeah. out of it. And, and <clears throat> most people who are listening to this are probably going to think to them drugs will mean, you know, drugs. <laughs> um, but to me, drugs is anything uh, legal or illegal um, in any form that can become such a priority in our life that that's the only thing we push. You know, uh, it's m- not the drugs money, that is bad; it's the addiction that's bad. Money, money can be a drug. Pornography, uh, pornography can be a drug. Uh, gambling work. can be a drug. Yeah. Work. A lot of people work can be a drug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it, it's the it, it's breaking the first commandment. That's I have no other god before me. And when there's anything that takes exactly. that priority, then it can be honestly. Okay, I'm about to I'm about to drop some a nugget here. Coffee, I, <laughs> or I've heard people. My wife loves coffee, but I believe my wife would put coffee down for God. But I know people that I wonder, <laughs> like you know, is it, is it between God and coffee? Oh, I'm sure my wife would, but it's just, but she's going to say, well, God didn't ask me that, so she's going to have a cup of coffee. Um, but you know what? For her, for for her, it's one thing. For you, it's one thing. For me, it's one thing. And it doesn't mean that we don't love God. It doesn't mean that he don't love us. It's just we have to get our, and that's where the whole, uh, the holiness relationship, where you'll get in a lot of the Wesleyan theology, and you get into holiness, and, 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 and uh, the the Bible talks about being sanctified, um, just getting a lot of that relation, you know, putting yourself more focused on God and Christ. There. And as some people will tell you that you can't do anything, <laughs> but uh, that's not true either. Because you know it's okay to go play golf on Saturday. It's not a problem with that. Skipping church for five weeks in a row so you can go play golf only on Sundays. No, that might be that might be having a problem there. You know. You know, I played a golf tournament this last Saturday, and I told them at church that I wasn't going to be here, be there on Sunday, because I had um, a buddy coming in from out of town to play. This past weekend? Yeah. I'm glad you were there. And I didn't know how long he was going to be in town on Sunday or not. I felt it would be rude and whatever no, to, I, there's no problem to, to run to church and leave him alone and all that. I don't know. Um, so I let him know. It's like, I'm probably not going to be here. Turns out he left early enough that I was able to go to the second service and ran into me. Off. And still get my uh, my spiritual recharge for the week. Oh man, that was great, sir. I love the worship there. It's it 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 sounds like a recording. It don't sound like they're there because the the type of church that I go to. You figured us out. <laughs> I can tell it's not. I'm. I can tell people are lip syncing. I I will. I can. I've been around music enough to know the the. It's such a great worship service, and and uh, it's very contemporary, but it's it's very real, and the spirit moves in it, and it's it's it's, it's really good, but very Hillsong esque. Yeah, it is. Um, I don't know if it's up to that level, <laughs> no, but it is good, man. It is really good. It, do they? Is there people who write their own music? Um, I don't think they've done any. I don't know if they do any original stuff or not. That's the difference when you start doing your own worship, because God will put a songwriter in that group that'll write hymns and write praises and choruses mm-hmm. 
that God wants for that church. And then if you sing that, you sing them songs at my church in Louisiana, they might not fly because it's not it's not for that, you know. And, and that's and that's where you'll that's when people start to like the, one of my one of my really good friends, Jeff. Uh, he writes a lot of music and. And and it was, when I was singing on the praise team with him there in Louisiana, I was being able to help him with harmony and stuff like that. Oh, where I would just harmonize while he was singing, and it was just so much fun knowing that we're singing a song that he wrote for our church that God gave him for us. And for his inspiration, church. yeah. Yeah, well, God just throws into his heart and his mind, and and uh, and, it, and it's it's been a it's been a lot of fun doing that. And now, of course, now I do with power lines, and so I haven't really been consistently in church and I really hate that that's why I'm wanting to go home one of the reasons is because to be with my family but another one is because I want to be in a church environment all the time again you know and it's been kind of hard here to do it but but uh but man I appreciate it I thank you very much for getting with me and and uh, we're going to shut this interview or the podcast down but I still want to say is, okay, uh, yeah, yeah. as far as wrapping my little mini te- testimony up with a bow is you can be in the worst possible place in the world but when you pray about it and you realize that you being there is part of God's plan come on you can be happy oh absolutely wherever wherever doing whatever in general to you want if God is where God needs you that's where God needs you mm-hmm. you know and it's, it goes back to the Jonah thing too you know it doesn't matter where you are when you're in where God wants you, man, he'll just, he'll touch people. He's going to, and, and, and like John. And sometimes he'll make you do it. Like John, he's going he's to put you where he wants you whether, you, whether you choose to go along with it or not. Well, just imagine the waste, oh, imagine what kind of a waste it would be. There was a lady by the name, it was an elder lady, one of the most amazing women of God that I've ever met in my life. Her name was Faye Waters, and she passed a few years ago, and, uh, she said one night that if you refuse to listen to God enough, enough times, he'll stop talking to you. Mm-hmm. And I remember going, that's something I never want to mm-hmm. feel. I never want to go, I have disobeyed God that's so something many times. I'm, that's something I'm afraid of. Yeah. But that's why Jesus, you know, I think it's a little different. We just got to stay focused, you know, see? Stay, stay motivated in the kingdom and do whatever is kingdom minded man one of the things I pray about the most if you write down I mean took a tick mark you know down for every every different thing I pray about <laughs> the one that I pray about the most is let me hear your voice let me recognize the path yeah let me Absolutely. see the door you want me to go through you know show it to me yeah, because oh, even so if yeah. the trail's not beat out, like I got to walk, I walked up the top of that mountain behind the big A. Uh-huh. That's a long walk, <laughs> but the trail's beat out. It's 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 flattened out. There's, I mean, it's a straight up hill, but and and then I got off the trail a little bit, and it was just like it don't take much to get off a trail, and you gotta start worrying about snakes and all this other stuff. But uh-huh. sometimes even when you're on off the trail, God wants you. you you can tell how to get through, and God will just show you and direct you. But have you been able to get up high someplace to see all the the lights and stars yet? No, I I tried the the 
uh, what's it called? The sunspot, but they closed it at five. They shut us all down. Yeah. But let's 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 pray. I want you to pray us out of here. Um, let's. You know who's you know what you had went through. What what is it that you wanted to get across? Don't have to be long. Just let's. let's There's a lot of people out there who find themselves in situations that are less than comfortable. Situations that they never would have put themselves in, but situations that their life is turned to, whether it be through something that was their fault or something that it wasn't. My prayer is, Lord, that the, that the people who are there in, in those situations turn to you for not the reason they're there, but for your reason for them, that they will recognize or begin to recognize the path that is laid in front of them that you have their name on and the works that you have for them to accomplish I'm not greedy I don't want all of this joy for myself I want this kind of joy for anybody out there who can who can feel it and who can experience it because even in the worst of times if you're doing the Lord's work, if you're moving in a direction that you feel the Lord is pushing you, there is a joy and a happiness and an energy that, that every human being deserves. And it's amazing and, it, and, it, and it's something that can only come from the Holy Spirit in your heart. Just fueling every desire you have just to do more. And, and that's what I learned. And that's what I pray that everybody who needs that can learn as well. I mean, obviously, this is a different message for different people, but uh, somebody's somebody's listening to this. You know, I mean, this is this is May of 2013. 19. 19. Wow. <laughs> Where have I been for six years? No, uh, 2019. <clears throat> um. I mean, somebody could be listening to this five years from now. Yeah. I, but it could be just as relevant then as... Absolutely. As, you know, I mean, because I went through all this in 2014, so that was five years ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Lord, but t t touch some hearts. Get some people... Let's get people praying. Let's get people thinking about why they're doing what they're doing and that it's you motivating their life in, in, in directions where you need them where you want them where they can touch hearts where they can touch lives where they can be the person in the situation to set to to help somebody um, yeah that they can that, that they can listen to you and they can turn right down that road when they thought they were going to go straight just because something told them to turn right and then there's somebody there to help because you put them there That's and that's my prayer. That's that's awesome. What I want for people, you know. <clears throat> that's that's what's important is that, and I think that it's important for us to be prepared for the future. It's not just 
to think of this when you're in the moment, mm -hmm. but to see the situation and to wake up going, okay, Lord, something today is probably not going to go the way I want it to, but I know that you're with me, and when you're with me, it doesn't matter. I'll go through, you know, Adrian Rogers is a, uh, he died years ago. One of his famous, one of my favorite quotes by him is that he said, God, I will go to hell forever if you'll go with me. Mm -hmm. And it was, oh man, that was so powerful. And so, but anyway, so Dave, man, I appreciate it. I think I'm excited to do this. I've been wanting to do this for a while. Uh, it's actually a secular, uh, non-Christian podcast that kind of got me in the idea of doing it, you know, because... I haven't been able to do a lot of pulpit preaching, but maybe this is what God's got me doing. You know, man, I wish I'd have thought about this when I was in Puerto Rico, but um, but you know, but that's okay because it wasn't the time for that. It's not the season for that. Now it is. So, um, man, I love you. I appreciate it. I'm just, I'm glad I got to meet you. What yeah, four bro. months ago is or three months ago probably, but it's mm -hmm. been it's been a lot of fun. So, um, appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for thanks for supper too. <laughs> yeah, it's my pleasure. Hey, God bless. So now, after listening to that testimony, you have to ask yourself a question: Would I act the way he acted? Would I act the way that Paul and Silas acted? Would I act the way that Joseph acted, or would I be belligerent and crazy? Well, honestly, most of us would be belligerent and crazy. But that's what's important for us to remember is that if we have the love of God in us, the love of Christ is in us, we should be in a state of mind where when something crazy happens, we should be able to recall and remember, boom, that's what I need to be doing. I need to, this is a possibility. This is a time that God has given me a chance to spread his gospel, to spread his love. That's why it's important for us to show the love of God at all times. And I love it. It was such a great interview. It was such a good time, and he's a good friend, and he's one I'll always have. I'll always have that friend forever. And so I thank you guys for downloading and listening to this. It was kind of long, I don't know, but it was good. I hope you guys download and listen the next ones. I thank you for listening, and I thank you for being a part of it. Be blessed. Keep us in your prayers, and have a wonderful day. Oh, and remember that Jesus and I love you. Thank you for listening.